0: <laughs> okay. Today's topic. Today's topic is about um, making. I use the word spouse, but it's in any relationship, insecure versus not being taken for granted, and uh, just to explain what my thoughts were when I. Uh, with this topic is that the title is that uh, often in my own relationships when I deal with other people coming for counseling for relationships the topic pretty much boils down to one feels that they're being controlled to a point of they don't have security they're left in an insecure position while the other one is complaining That I'm being taken for granted and I don't want to be taken for granted. And what usually is happening here is that the one who doesn't want to be taken for granted is creating an insecurity so that they will not be taken for granted. You never know what's going to happen. So don't take me for granted. And in this process of trying to not be taken for granted we create insecurity. What is that all about? How do we... Is that... The way it has to be. What's wrong with that scenario? What has gone wrong between the two? I want to share with you. You saw in the email uh, notice that went out that this uh, class I dedicated to a uh, very special friend. Um, in the show, you met her that uh, that week, and uh, God wants you to be part of this university of life. Name is Dr. Muller, uh, Ray Steinrad. And uh, Mm -hmm. I discuss a lot of times before I give her class because she's a psychologist and it helps me understand the other side and it's a a beautiful mix. So I got a chance to... Uh, Could you give the mistake for the voice for Victoria, uh, for Victoria Matilda, the casino family? Thank you, uh, thank you. So what happens here is that uh, I... uh, I wanted to speak there for a moment and just discuss the thoughts before I go into the last final stage, which is sitting down and typing up everything. For whatever reason, her schedule, my schedule, we didn't really get much chance to talk and all I heard from her was one interesting thing, which put my mindset when I started typing. She said, shouldn't the title be making your spouse secure versus not being taken for granted? Because isn't that what you're trying to impart, that there is no dichotomy between the two? In our relationship, you can be very secure and I won't be taken for granted and vice versa. That was just, whatever our schedule reasons, that was pretty much what the discussion was. And it put me in an interesting mindset and I wanted to share this with you as a way of introduction to know where I was standing. It seems to be interesting enough That for whatever reason, I was hearing that I'm going about it in a negative way. And I asked myself, why did Hashem have me hear just this topic, just this one thing about everything I've prepared? I personally decided whether right or wrong. That it wasn't Hashem telling me to change the course, just be very conscious of the course. And I want to tell you how I understand this. In Hasidus there's two ways to deal with an issue. There's an issue rise above it and just bring positivity and from there deal with the issue. And then there's another issue way of dealing with things which is get into the mind. Deal with the there. Obviously for whatever reason I was being driven and I made a decision to go the route of get into the mind feel what it means to be insecure realize what you're doing when you make someone else insecure and from there come to appreciate what Hasidus has to really say about a relationship so even though there is both ways of doing it Hasidus is usually of the approach rise above shed light and the issue becomes clear excuse me nevertheless for whatever reason i was choosing to take the longer short way. one introduction i wanted to share with you another introduction another introduction is You know that uh, lately with these classes, the topics that have been going on here, I just want to be very clear. I am not a psychologist. I have not been trained in the field of psychology. And sometimes I ask myself, why am I sitting in this speaker's chair on such a topic? So I want to just tell you from where I come from. What I am is a student of Chassidists and Chassidists is my life. There is a huge difference between Chassidists and philosophy and psychology and what psychology is, you look up on your own, I want to find define for you what Hasidus is Hasidus is about a divine wisdom it's an understanding of creation it's an understanding of creator whatever amount of that we are allowed and were given by God to understand the sole essence of creation, Torah, Mitzvahs and Judaism from that perspective I approach this issue. Why so? Because I believe that the greatest gift God has given us is the gift of being able to have relationships. Why so? Why I suggest that is because my understanding of what I've learned in Chassidus is that the power and the secret of creation is all about Hashem wanting a relationship. Pre-creation. Kabbalah says, Hasidus quotes, there was he and his name alone. When there's he and his name alone, he has no relationship. So if you want to really experience the beauty of creation, the purpose of creation, the secret of creation, it's all about relationships. When a person is adamant to be one and alone, not need anyone, not be in relationship with anyone, not to be even in a healthy way dependent upon someone, that really isn't the purpose and completion of mankind creation is all about having a relationship so when you look at the verse that God said let us make mankind in our image and likeness then if we can understand what Hasidus shares with us about Creator, about creation, about the secret and purpose of creation what Hashem put into creation as in, what did Hashem put into relationship we can then pretty much have a very safe understanding of what a true divine relationship is about. That's the approach I'm taking on this whole topic. When I, when I ponder upon the insecurity versus taking being taken for granted, when I ponder upon what is a healthy true Torah perfect relationship I'm not going to go into just the laws governing human man and mankind which is the ABC's it's all wonderful philosophy, if you do what the Torah says not to do then it's not perfect but what I'm really searching for is everything, I'm sorry, everything I've learned about Hasidus that teaches us what did Hashem put into creation when Hashem was creating the ultimate gift of relationships. Hashem having a relationship with us and us having a relationship with Hashem from there we are going to glean what we are going to see in our relationship with our spouses, with our friends, with our parents, with our children with our co-workers, with everyone with that said I think one of the major questions we need to ask is who are you hurting when there is someone insecure in the relationship I think that there's a misunderstanding because normally if I'm going to use my, an example, I'll just talk myself and my wife, not that I'm using that as an example as is. I hope it's not. I'm sure at certain levels it is. But if I create an insecurity in my wife, who am I hurting? Her or me? I'm hurting myself. Why am I hurting myself? Let's not be poetic, let's be practical. It's nice to say that, but let's be real. She's hurting more than me. Isn't it a chutzpah to say that I'm hurting more than her? Yet what I'm going to say is that for two reasons. When I create my spouse, within my spouse, an insecurity, I'm hurting myself more than I'm hurting her. A. I mean, you know what, let's just go to the practical uh, cell phone, ringing off the hook, and clinging and trying to grab me because of insecurity. That in itself is uh, torture. But besides that, you have a huge issue of, number one, a relationship is as strong as its weakest link if one of us two are insecure then the entire relationship becomes insecure so really when I an insecurity in my marriage or my relationship and I'm doing so to be the powerful one I know she will always be there for me she will never know what and when she can rely on me she'll never be secure with me What I'm really creating is not a power on my side, it's actually a weakness on my side. Because what kind of secure relationship can you have with an insecure person? Number one. Number two, and I quote to you a lawyer, very interesting, one of the greatest, most valuable teachings I've ever seen on what happens when power is used in a destructive way, is just this one little metaphor I read in a lawyer's book he writes there as follows I often wonder how weak, ugly and terrible the tornado feels when it looks back and sees what it did to that village there is no power to be felt when you bear the guilt of willingly creating a destruction so while in front of the gang you'll be boasting Deep inside, your inner soul is feeling ugly and very weak. So when you create an insecurity in your relationship, in the thought of, I will create power by me, by making the other insecure, you've actually hurt yourself and weakened yourself more than you've weakened the spouse or the other one in the relationship. Let's go to number two. Who's being hurt more? when one of the spouses or members in the relationship is being taken for granted you see the first part was pretty easy it was pretty easy to explain that when you create an insecurity in the other you're hurting yourself more but here I want to talk about something which actually came to me as a very big surprise when you're being taken for granted or here I'll speak in the other way when I take my wife for granted who am I hurting more, myself or my wife? interesting enough, I want to share with you something personal for a moment. I've actually developed a very interesting relationship with an interesting individual where I found myself doing something I didn't think I'd ever find myself doing. I was quetching to the person that you are too easy to take for granted and as much as I want to always be able to know that I can pick up a phone and regardless what, when or where you are always there for me I want to have an elusiveness I want to always have to earn the relationship and I want something that's infinitely out of my reach that left me very confused when I realized that there's such a thing in a relationship I don't think I've ever experienced, definitely have never been cognizant of experiencing that I yearn for the elusiveness in a relationship. I think if I was talking in the male world, I would be saying that it's become too easy, I've lost variety, I've lost interest, there's more to conquer. But let's not lower this to the male terminology of a relationship and let's just experience it as it is. There is something, there is a necessity to know that I don't have everything at my fingertips. There is a necessity to know that there is a need for an encompassing, elusive power that I don't have a grip on. When I realized that, it left me very confused because it leaves you very vulnerable to even have to tell that to someone you are in a relationship with. I mean, you can only imagine that the next thing that the other person is going to do is the next four phone calls you call, they're not going to answer, because you ask, not to always answer the phone. What did you create? Are you creating an insecurity? What is going on here? So, when I realized I was confused by the issue, I decided I need to give a lecture on it. <laughs> That's how this lecture really came about. I want to tell you that when I realized that, and when I started dealing with this, and this has been cooking within me for about a month What did open up to me was a whole new world In relationships, and an entire new horizon of parenting You've probably all heard that it's good not to always be there and catch your child while they fall before their tush hits the ground now you're understanding something, it's not just about allowing them to grow by themselves for some reason human beings have a need for an elusiveness in the relationship and I stress not the need to be elusive in a relationship but the need to experience an elusiveness in the other in their relationship which is really was to me very confusing I've always thought that is the problem with relationships I don't want to do anything or say anything that I may one day regret I've ever opened myself up so much in a relationship. I usually don't take a step forward until I realize for certain that this relationship is for real and will always be there and all of a sudden here I'm reversing everything I've always thought about myself in relationships. So when we talk about who you are hurting and creating insecurity, when you talk about who you are hurting when you're, I'm sorry, when you take someone for granted, then the point here being is that it's the opposite of what we think. We think that we're hurting the other person by making them insecure. No, you're hurting yourself just a tad more. You think that the other person stands to lose when they're being taken for granted no, you stand a tad more to lose if in your relationship you have someone that you can completely take for granted with that being said we need to go further and understand so what does this work? is it one or the other? is the shadow of not being taken for granted insecurity how does that work? I told you I don't approach to you, approach myself or you through psychology, through the teaching of Chassidus. Let's go back to what we spoke about with Hashem. Let's go back and, and search into the relationship Hashem created with us. Okay? You know that living uh, in America, I will be honest with you. I usually talk without referring to my notes. I'm going to be referring to my notes because... I'm in the cooking process. This isn't a finished product. I'm struggling with this whole issue. I usually like to (laughs) fix an issue and then share it with you. For some reason, when I walked away and I came in this morning, I told Sherry I need to be upstairs alone for a couple of minutes. And now when I come down, I see I'm still. So I'm going to share with you the process of creating a lecture rather than this is something I did and I'm giving it to you. You know, we live in the land of America, and being brought up in the land of America, or presently are you're living in America, you're going to hear and experience that the greatest gift and right of mankind is to realize that all mankind was created equal, and the, the intrinsic ABCs of America is dependent upon democracy and liberty. That's what we really believe in on that note that relationships in America are to be created. In the very constitution, for the people, by the people, by our peers shall we be judged. We're all based on liberty belongs to all mankind because equality was given by God to all of mankind. That is the approach of America. So I want to ask you something. If we're going to refer to the master of all relationships God Almighty in His process of creation how can that be said? where has God given us an equality to Him? where has God allowed Himself that we have liberty in this relationship just like He, capital H, does? and what I'm going to suggest to you is I'm sorry? in His image in His image But nevertheless, I want to take that and dissect that. That is the ultimate answer. But I want to dissect, practically speaking, you're an equal with God. In other words, like you and your husband are going to discuss this, and you're going to have a say, and he's going to have a say, that's where you're going to be with God. God is going to have to discuss with us things before He does it. We find that in the Torah. We find that God tells Abraham, says before He tells Abraham, can I keep it hidden from Abraham that I'm going to turn over Sodom? God gives Abraham an equal chance to fight with him. But we're going to talk about tzaddikim in a moment. You and I really don't have that privilege to have it out with God. And sometimes he's going to have to compromise and sometimes I'm going to have to compromise. We don't have that relationship with God. But if God is the source and everything else is a reflection of God's relationship then if this is the truth in relationship, did God create a true relationship with us. What I'm going to suggest here is, that in the realm of giving us freedom of choice, God has given us an equality, God has made himself vulnerable to insecurity, and God can never again take us for granted. Because when God gave us the freedom of choice, he has literally given us the opportunity and rights and power to tell him no. We'll talk about hell and heaven later. But bottom line, God tells us thou shalt eat kosher and we can tell God no. God tells us, you shall be amends to your fellow person you shall not speak Lashon Hara you shall have a decent honest relationship and we can tell God no so really at some level God did give us an equality God did subject himself to insecurity and God can never take us for granted That was the ultimate gift of freedom of choice. Okay? I'm going to stop this because as it is, even if I do have the lecture in my brain, it's hard for me to go straight if I'm interrupted. So I'm going to ask you please, patience. There will be, I won't leave until all questions are answered the best I can. I'm going to run a monologue. This concept of freedom of choice is really the foundation an ultimate definition of the relationship we have with God other than that the relationship we have with God would not be real it would not be true it would definitely not be a model of a relationship you want to have with your spouse or any other relationships you have so I just want to for a moment really appreciate together what does it mean that God in his search for a true relationship has allowed not for a dictatorship but for an absolute equality and with that absolute equality he subjects himself to not always have the final say he subjects himself to be insecure what are my people going to do now to me and thus He can never take us for granted we're going to later talk about such a scene God's excited Torah is given Moses is in heaven and we're going to be in Israel in just a couple of short few days not the Jews created a golden calf we get over that herald we're at the border now it's done spies forty years So were we to simply accept that God was serious when He told Moses, you're going to take the Jews out, you're going to bring them to Mount Sinai, we're going to spend a couple of days here, I'm going to give you the Torah, from here we're going to Israel, to the land that I promised your forefathers, then you need to accept the insecurity God has in the relationship. I guess we're not doing that. Realize how not for granted God has allowed Himself to have a relationship with us he cannot take us for granted the pains and pleasures in a relationship is dependent upon that God subjects himself for that in order to create the world and fulfill his ultimate desire to have a relationship with his people so we are seeing how real this is and, for a moment, reflect upon your relationships. Are we that vulnerable in our relationships? Are we willing to do that? Or are we always trying to have one step up? Fifty-one forty-nine. It doesn't make sense to get into any 50-50 relationship partnership because ultimately one has to have a final say when you create a 50-50 partnership in business or anything you're doomed to have problems unless you're going to put already a clause that when we cannot come to terms we both agree to bring in a third person who will have the ruling part over this relationship human minds need that little tiny percentage which gives you the tip of the scale in control to be insecure To not be able to take for granted, to wake up completely unaware and uncertain of what tomorrow brings is difficult. And yet I share with you from just looking at what God did with us, that ultimately that is the only way to experience a relationship. Otherwise we're never married, we're never in a true relationship. It's all about politics. It's all about moving pieces. That's what we need to experience. Now I'm going to contradict myself with just asking you, come on, who are we kidding? God's not in control? God doesn't know what we're going to do? It was easy for God to create this scenario but aren't we really just writing a wonderful lovey-dovey children's Disneyland fantasy movie trying to believe that there's inequality trying to believe that God has become insecure trying to, to believe that God doesn't take us for granted I mean let's be serious at the end of the day God knows everything God is in control God is going to have it his way and there I hear interject that God even knew after a holocaust we're going to come back home what are we saying here? is there any real real equality between us and Hashem? Is there any real insecurity with what Hashem says in this relationship? He doesn't know that He can count on us. We can't ultimately be taken for granted. God really made Himself vulnerable not knowing if at the end of the day there will or won't be a Mashiach, God forbid. Maybe we won't take the journey maybe we'll simply tell them we want out is that even a thought? isn't it that God creates a perception for us to believe while in truth it's not at all at this point I'm going to have to listen to what uh, Marla told me we're going to have to remove the word insecure I mentioned in the beginning that there was a discussion about what the title should be. Should the title be the way I wrote it, creating an insecurity versus not being taken for granted, or should it be security versus being taken for granted? At this point I'm going to give in. The word insecurity is causing a lot of problems when we talk about God. God has no insecurities. You know that uh, one of the most amazing things about Hasidus is that it has a wealth, a wealth of knowledge and divine wisdom. But all it really is, is a tiny window into the artist's studio. What the Rebbe's really give us is, is an appreciation to see the artist as he is painting the actual masterpiece we get to see into what paint he uses we get to see into how do we, the creation, exist in its ultimate source the mind and soul of the artist that's really what Hasidus does for us so what we're going to now do is enjoy that which the Rebbe's of blessed memory have made valid, available to us we're going to give a look into the artist's studio What is creation? If I share with you that creation is the foundation of relationships, it's what it's all about. It's the greatest gift. It's the secret of creation. It's what Hashem yearns for, quote-unquote. He desires in in creation. Let's give a look into the artist's studio. We're going to actually look into what paints he uses. God uses, I'm going to use the word, two paints and because that's what we are made up of we need to know that to understand ourselves one paint that God uses in painting these masterpieces called the infinite encompassing light another paint that God uses in creating this is that God creates also with a paint called the finite permeating light This is what we, the painting, is made up of. Okay? And that is why, in our relationship with Hashem, we're going to experience the effect that both these paints have with us. When we talk about the equality, I want to share with you that there's an interesting concept going on here between God and us. On one hand, we see ourselves as creations. On the other hand, God sees us as nothing more than pieces of Creator. Okay? So what's really happening is that there's something going on here. There's something going on here in this relationship where they're both true. Look how far God went. If I'm going to use the words, look at what pain God went through, what process he went through, known in Kabbalah as Tzimtzum, to be able to create a reality where we are true equals, where the relationship takes place in a physical realm, where nature is followed by a bunch of rules, logical rules, and not just sporadic divine magic. God creates an arena where we feel truly equal because in this world we understand that we could be partners in creation. Look how God has made that the relationship is built on physical mitzvot, something that you and I can control and do. Somewhere in this process God has created a true equality between us and Him, so to speak. But now I want to take it from a different perspective. The equality that we talk about is because there are two types of paints with which God has painted this creation. We are the product of that and therefore we will experience both. There is the one side of us in which we are truly the paint is the infinite encompassing light. And on the other hand, there is a part of us which God uses the paint, which is a finite permeating light. The outcome of these two is that two necessities that we have in relationship. We have a necessity to be able to tangibly know, feel and touch and know that you are always there for me. That is the product of the fact that part of us is made up of a finite, permeating light. We need to be able to touch, feel, and have no doubt. Nothing elusive. It needs to permeate. I need to be with it one. Then there's the other part which comes from the infinite, encompassing light. Which creates within each and every one of us the need. If this will be a true and real relationship, I need an elusiveness to it. Because the encompassing light feels that any permeating relationship, finite relationship is foolish child's play. It's incomplete, it's missing. Because it by definition is encompassing and elusive. And therefore, constantly as human beings, the product, the painting made up of two paints A, the encompassing infinite light, B, the finite permeating light and thus, whenever we have a relationship that only has one, we start hunting. We're uncomfortable, we're incomplete, this relationship is starting to feel bland. If I have only the relationship with my wife, that I absolutely, tangibly know everything about her. She's always reliably within reach. Then there's going to be something about me that's going to want to hunt for more. Something about me is not being fed. Something thinks this relationship is just not real. The encompassing part of me needs to be able to experience an elusiveness an infinite, an encompassing one that cannot be digested, one I must be lost within and not conquer from without that's because of who I am and how Hashem created creation on the second hand if all I have is that elusiveness that creates an insecurity. Then I'm missing a huge tangible part of my being as well. Because there's two paints in this painting. I am made up of two paints. Infinite encompassing light, finite permeating light. And that's why in this relationship there must be both. I need to be able to experience absolutely that whenever I turn to God, God is there unconditionally I need that because if not, I'm not going to pursue this relationship it's nothing I can nurture off I am a finite, permeating human being I need this relationship to be tangibly finite and permeating I need to know that whenever, regardless, whenever I turn to God and He will pick up the phone I will never get a busy signal and I will never go unanswered and yet at the same token being that I am not just a finite permeating creation I am an infinite encompassing creation I also need that God never allow for me to ever feel that I am completely In this relationship, it's mine. I need to be always able to perceive that there's something elusive in God, something elusive that He brings into this relationship with me. I want to share with you something interesting. As I was preparing and living and chewing over and banging my head in the wall to get this lecture put together, I actually had an interesting conversation with a rabbi, a peer of mine. Rabbi Yoel Caroline, if you know him. And after learning Chitah this week, learning Chumash this week, God's talking to Moses. Moses arguing with God. I'm not going. Yes, you are going. Send my brother. Send Mashiach. Why me? You will, you're the one. You have to go. I turned to him that day and said, Tell me something, Yohal. Can you ever imagine what that relationship must feel like? Can you ever imagine that a Moses and his dynasty all the way to our ever blessed memory never has that moment of is there a God or is there not a God? Moses has no faith in God. I don't have a faith that Sherry exists. I see her. I hear her. I talk to her. Can you imagine having that relationship with God? Moses never had to think, am I an atheist or not? (laughs) Do I believe in God or don't I believe in God? (laughs) Sadiqim, Rebaz, they talk to God, they see God, they hear God, they touch God, they are touched by God. And I turned to him and said, I wonder what kind of relationship that is. I wonder what that would feel like. I dare to say that 99% of our relationship with God would be out the window because our relationship really nurtured off our constantly questioning is or not. That's our relationship with God. A huge part of it. But let's erase that and let's just talk about what is that feeling? Today I share with you that because that question came from being in the mindset and soul search of this lecture I actually, when I said that, experienced two things. Number one, I experienced what it would feel like to actually see, know, beyond, not shadow of a doubt. I'm not saying that faith is shadow of doubt. I'm not belittling faith. But to be able to have such a tangible, permeating relationship with God. I know God. I talk to God. God talked to me. He told me He didn't like what I did. He told me He liked what I did. He heard, He actually hears what I have to say. He answers me. There's a real communication, one like I have with my spouse. Moses, the verse says that when God gave His his brother and sister over the head for talking about him. How dare you speak to He who is trusted in my whole house, who talks to me face to face like a man to his friend do you imagine what that relationship would be like? and then there was a second thing I experienced because of where I am now in that question statement if the elusiveness between God and Moses wasn't about whether there is a God or isn't a God Can you imagine what the experience of the elusiveness in such a pure intimate relationship is? Our elusiveness is deducted down to every time something is unjust, we question if there is a God. And if there is a God, is He good? Is He perfect? That's where we feed our need to have an elusiveness. But can you imagine for someone like Moses, someone like a Rebbe, that to him, that's not elusive, that's a fact. That's permeating, that's tangible. I know there's a God and I know He's good. Can you imagine what special sacred position, place, feeling, experience the elusiveness of that relationship is? It would be awesome. This is where I really want to go now with this lecture, with this Shi'or. Because really what I want to experience is, let's be honest, it would be beyond chutzpah, to know a Rebbe, to be a Rebbe, so I really have, dare not speak any further about what a Rebbe's relationship with Hashem is. I just don't know, I wasn't on the mountain, I didn't hear Moses, I don't know Moses, I don't know what that is like. But what I do know is, that in the world of a relationship between a Rebbe and God one that's on the mountain and God talks to and God answers in that relationship it is all about absolute security and never being taken for granted that's what goes on between a God and a Moses There is never a moment of insecurity, no matter what's happening what God is doing or what Moses is doing and there is never a moment that Moses takes God or God takes Moses for granted If that be true by a Rebbe then we need to exist we need to accept that at some level, the quality of such a relationship exists within every single Jew. That's where I want to go to with this lecture. That's what I want to experience, that's what I want to share with you thoughts and then I want to hear your thoughts on it. The ultimate experience between God and a Jew and between a Jew and God is that We are never insecure, God is never insecure, we never take God for granted, and God never takes us for granted. Because, and here we are going to introduce, introduce the elusive side of our relationship with God, and that's called faith. I want to give you a silly example. Have you ever had your spouse, or your best friend, or any relationship that you really consider a true divine, sacred relationship. Have you ever had? And I'll talk about it as my wife. Have I ever experienced my wife telling me, "Abram, close your eyes and open your mouth"? What do you experience? Are you insecure? Do you think that uh, my wife's going to stick some worm in my mouth, some terrible thing? Am I taking her for granted? Do I think that, oh, definitely she's going to put that one delicious chocolate cream cake I love that she makes, that's what she's putting in my mouth? Neither. I'm absolutely secure and I don't begin to take her for granted. This is an elusive moment where she asks me to close my eyes and open my mouth. Silly example. Let's up the stakes your husband calls you and tells you listen i want you to call in to work sick for a week pack some bags because i got some tickets we're going away for a week insecure i mean you do know that this is playoff weeks in california and if that's where he's taking me he's dead meat so are we insecure are we taking him for granted How do you feel at that moment? I will tell you if you have a healthy beautiful relationship the beauty and intimacy of that moment of having absolute security and not taking for granted experiencing the beauty of an elusive moment is what the relationship God offers to every single Jew always is. That's a relationship. when you talk about the relationship we have with God and I'm going to use words that need definition I'm going to say that on one hand there's a permeating infinite light that part of the relationship is that Hashem has me I have Hashem He knows what I'm going to do because He knows the way I think I know what He's going to do because in His Torah He has gifted me with how he has decided to run his world and yet nevertheless there is an absolute infinite encompassing light which brings into this relationship that I know for certainty that I will never know God I will never know the infinite encompassing love that God has for me equally so God knows that He has me and God will never know the infinite, omnipotent, elusive love I have for Him How did I just say that? How do I dare use the word God doesn't know? I want to share with you a very simple Kabbalistic teaching and is brought down in the second footnote in Tanya beginning of chapter 2 the Kabbalist has definitely given the verdict God is not to be defined by His wisdom for wisdom is a form and shape so even though God's wisdom is infinite it is a form and shape it is wisdom not understanding it is an intellect not an emotion and therefore the ABC's, Maimonides gives us, in believing in God, God has no form or shape. So God is not wisdom and wisdom is not God. There is something elusive, encompassing, infinite about God that is not to be experienced even within His wisdom. Which is part of the finite, permeating paint. So when we talk about that God will never know We're not talking about the never-know as in the lack and void of His power of Wisdom. We're talking about the infinite, encompassing, elusive essence of light which defies above and beyond being able to be expressed in know or wisdom. I, I didn't put this in my notes, but I'm just going to throw this at you. You know that at Purim, there's a mitzvah to get so drunk that you reach the stage of loyoda, do not know between, a, between Haman and Mordechai. In Chassidus, what does that mean? What it means is that to know is a finite logical relationship. What God wants on Purim is even on the stage of do not know even at the realm of where I am way too infinite to be said as no there too, cursed be Haman and blessed be Mordechai it's going from the rational finite permeating relationship to the infinite encompassing elusive relationship and that's why when I use the words that in my relationship with God God will never know, He does not know the elusive, infinite, encompassing light love that I have for Him I mean what I say because this is something where the knowing of God is not the appropriate connection this is above and beyond knowing this is to be this is the encompassing elusive so yes there is a relationship between God and I and I and God where I know God is always there for me and is good and then there is the elusive side of where I know that I will never know and then there is that which I don't even know that I will never know in this relationship with God because God has an infinite encompassing light and He has a finite permeating light and because I am, as you said, made in His image and likeness He put both paints into me so too God has the side of this relationship where He knows we will always be there for Him and then there is the side which is elusive, infinite, encompassing where God will never know how much we love Him let's talk about this in relationship to two situations which are painful between God and us let's pick, we mentioned the Holocaust and then we mentioned the Golden Calf if anything I'm telling you today is right Then I want to share with you what God was thinking when He saw us make the golden calf. He was thinking as follows. I don't know what they're doing but this is not about me. This is not them telling me that they don't want me no more. The same thing happens with the Holocaust. When I look at my grandfather, a blessed memory, and I saw him who was a Holocaust survivor, lost a wife, lost two sons, lost most of his siblings. And I see, I saw him often smile. I saw him love God. I saw him pray to God. I saw him trusting God. And I ask myself, How? How can he ever trust God again? What I know is that in his mind was the same conversation God had with himself at the Golden Calf. I don't know what he, capital H, is doing. I don't know what capital H, he, thinks is going on. But what I do know is, this is not about me and not God telling me that He does not want me in His life anymore. Where did my grandfather, where did God take this from? When you get to elusiveness, elusiveness means that you can go either way. Freedom of choice is not a joke. How can we be so sure and trust, that even in the elusive part of this relationship, in the infinite encompassing light in this relationship, that I have God, I can trust God, absolutely. Did not the prophet say that Asaph is a brother to Jacob, meaning that, I don't need you, I can pick Asaph too. Did not the prophet go on and say that if you've done a mitzvah, what have you done for me? And if you've done a sin, what have you done to me? Meaning that, there's nothing we can do to secure this relationship. We can't even promise God that we'll only do mitzvahs, we'll never do averis. Now we lock them in. Because mitzvahs and averis, both in the elusive place, are equal to Him. At some level, on the elusive level, it makes no difference to God if we eat lobster or get filter fish. If that be the case, then how can I buy him, secure him, earn this relationship, create a security that will forever be mine because I'll only eat the filter fish and never lobster. Elusiveness is real. It can go either way. If elusiveness is real, then how am I so certain that no matter what I do, God will come back? Maybe the golden calf really blew it forever. Maybe this is the point where we had an affair on God and God wants a divorce. Now, how did God know after the Holocaust my grandfather was going to go back to shul? How is it so certain that my, my grandfather would spend the rest of his life thanking him for the family he does have? Trusting him? If it's elusive, it's true freedom of choice then my grandfather could have told God that's it enough I saw what you did to our babies I saw what you did to pregnant women I saw what you did to righteous people it's over elusive is real freedom of choice is real how did God know that we wouldn't do that how do we know that God wouldn't do that to us I want to tell you one more thing that God put into this painting besides putting the two paints the infinite and the finite God put one more thing into this painting and that is Himself let me answer the question I asked you about the two verses by telling you the second half of each of those verses the first verse Esau is a brother to Jacob You're both equal. I can love any one of you. Let me tell you the second half of that verse. And yet, nevertheless, Jacob I love, and Esau I hate. If I were able to show you my notes, the word I is bold, italics, and underlined. Let me tell you the end of the second verse. And if you have done mischiefs, what have you given me? And if you have done sins, what have you done to me? End of verse. I am God your Lord what actually happens here is that not only did the artist put his two paints into this painting he put himself, the I in this painting and now let me quote to you a verse of the prophet if I, God, am here everything is here if God telling us that I put myself into this painting I put I into this relationship then you can be certain that both the permeating and the elusive will forever be there even at those moments of absolute darkness and elusiveness God can say I don't know what they're doing and I'm going to punish them for this But I know that it's not about me. I want to share with you one quick sentence because I want to take it a step further. If you want to know what Chassidus says when God said, I'm going to punish them for this, Chassidus' thought would probably be I am going to bring forth the deepest love that would have allowed them to insinuate that they can do this to me. I'm not going to get into this right now. I'm going to give you a simple parenting experience. How often do you have a child that does something terrible just to have proven to themselves that my parents will be there for me even if I do this? Let's go now to the second part. Let's go and I finish up now. I'm going to be finished in three minutes, so it's okay. If you have to go, um, you're not missing. What we experienced here was that there's a elusive side which comes from the infinite, it comes from the fact that yes, I am a piece of creator. There is the finite side which comes from yes, God plays this game, true game, in my arena, the physical, the finite, the permeating, the tangible. And thus in relationships, I will always need both. I need to know in my real friends, in my spouse, that whenever I turn to them, they will be there for me. And yes, I do need to know that I never completely have them. There's an elusive side. And then there's the bigger picture of I. I know that even in the elusive moments, I have them, but I don't know what I have. And I want it to be that way. So that this relationship is forever infinite. It's forever growing. It's forever a healthy, secure, not taken for granted relationship. I'm finished. Questions? <laughs> yeah, it's not a question. Hashem I no.